So, um, so the rumors are true. Um, I am from Ontario, Canada, and um, I do get teased for it quite a bit. I didn't even know it was a big deal until I moved to the States for college, um, but I'm going to say something, and I'm going to tell you in a minute why I can get away with it, okay? So I'm going to say something, and I want everybody to not take any offense to it, okay? Um, and that is, I think the reason I get bugged about it so much is because everyone's actually just jealous of me. You know, I think they would actually just deep down, every American that I talk to would just love to be Canadian, okay? And I know those are fighting words, but the reason I can get away with that is because my mom's from Texas, okay? So that means I am half American. So if you want to pick a fight with me, you're picking a fight with half a Texan, which is one whole American, okay? <laughs> so the math doesn't really add up, but all I'm saying is let's just get along, okay? Um, <clears throat> But I currently serve on staff at West Coast Baptist College. I'm privileged to be able to do that. I graduated last year um, with a degree in evangelism, and um, I now have the opportunity to get these guys around the country and try and make sure they get to the next place safely, occasionally get to share God's Word. I'm thankful for that opportunity tonight. And if you'll take your Bibles and turn to Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2 is where we're going to be this evening. And um, I ask that you continue to pray for our ministry. As Alex said earlier, at West Coast Baptist College, we're a ministry college. We are training young people to change the world. That's one of our slogans. And how do we change the world? Well, we believe that the world can only truly be changed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we are endeavoring to give the gospel of Jesus Christ to as many people as possible. West Coast has now graduated over 3,000 graduates. Um, Not all of them, I understand, may still be serving the Lord today, but there are many and many countries around the world who are currently faithfully serving the Lord as pastors or missionaries or evangelists or Christian school teachers and many other things. And we just ask that you pray for them, pray for their ministry, uh, because we are truly endeavoring to change the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so um, thank you for your prayers. I'm going to start reading in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 1. God's word says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness in a land that was not sown. Israel was holiness unto the Lord, and the firstfruits of his increase, and all that devour him shall offend. Evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, What iniquity have your fathers found me, that they are gone far from me, and have walked after vanity, and are become vain. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for an opportunity to share your word tonight. Lord, and I ask in these next few minutes that all of us would be willing to humble ourselves and look within our own hearts and ask the simple question, God, what do we need to change about our relationship with you so that we can become more like Christ? This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now, I'm sure at some point or another, most of us in this room have experienced the pain of having someone you love and care about pretend almost as if they don't know who you are. Or maybe it was a friend or a loved one or a family member or someone you were in a relationship with and something happened at some point in your relationship and you don't even know what you did wrong. All you know is that on Sunday when you saw this person, everything was okay. And Wednesday when they walked past you and you said, hey, so-and-so, how's it going? And they just kept on walking and you, and you ask yourself, What did I do? What just happened? 
And that happens all the time in human relationships because human beings are flawed. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You are never going to meet a perfect human being other than the time you met Jesus Christ who now lives in your heart. But at that time, because we are human beings, it happens. It happens where somebody gets offended and we don't always have the maturity to just talk it out and make things right. And so you're left wondering, what have I done wrong? It happens all the time with humans, but what a shame that even God the Father had to ask this question. What did I do wrong? Now in this passage, I understand completely that it is the children of Israel that are being addressed by God. The children of Israel throughout Scripture are notorious for following God and then choosing to follow after their own gods and then falling away from their relationship with their Heavenly Father and then choosing to, once again, God would have to send a judge or a prophet to get them back in line and then for a while they would be okay and then they would turn their backs on God and they would go back and forth and back and forth. But we can resonate with that as human beings, can't we? That we've at one point accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior and entered into a relationship with our Heavenly Father and then some days our relationship is not what it should be and God has to bring us right back to where we belong in closeness to Him. And this passage starts out by God speaking to the prophet Jeremiah and telling him to go speak to the children of Israel a very direct message saying... I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness in a land that was not sown. God was saying to the children of Israel, there was a time when you were ready to follow me anywhere. It says, Israel was holiness unto the Lord, and the first fruits of his increase, and all that devour him shall offend. Evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. There was a time when the Lord's hand of protection was upon the children of Israel because they were determined to follow the Lord. And in verse 5, God says, What iniquity have your fathers found in me? That they are gone far from me and have walked after vanity and are become vain. Isn't it a terrible thing that God, a perfect God, the only true God, would have to ask the question, What iniquity have your fathers found in me? What did I do wrong? Because just like I mentioned a moment ago, there's people who at one point you felt very close to, and now all of a sudden it seems like you've offended them and you just can't figure it out. And if we look down within ourselves, we could probably find something that we did to offend that person without realizing it. But here's the thing. God is perfect. His ways are perfect. He doesn't do any wrong. He can't do any wrong. He can't lie. He can't change. All He knows how to do is love and correct and bless His children And yes, of course, God is a righteous and holy God sometimes has to bring that judgment upon sin and things that His children do and take part of. But God was saying, what did I do wrong? That they are gone far from Me and have walked after vanity and are become vain. Tonight we're going to look at three quick characteristics of the children of Israel and how they approached their relationship with their Heavenly Father and see if any of these things pertain to us, but how they got to a point where God Himself had to ask, what did I do? I'll continue reading in verse 6 of Jeremiah chapter 2. God's Word says, Neither said they, Where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt? that led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought and of the shadow of death, through a land that no man passed through and when no man dwelt. 
And I brought you into a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when ye entered, ye defiled my land. It made mine heritage an abomination. The priest said not, where is the Lord? And they that handled the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me. And the prophets prophesied by Baal and wandered after things that do not profit. Wherefore I will yet plead with you, saith the Lord. And with your children's children will, will I plead. For pass over the isles of Chittim and see and send unto Kedar and consider diligently and see if there be such a, such a thing. Hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. God was saying to the children of Israel, Do you not remember when I brought you through the wilderness and through a land of desert and of pits, and I brought you into a plentiful country, and the moment the children of Israel got into that plentiful country and they realized they had everything that they needed, they began to defile the land by chasing after other gods. The Bible says that even the pastors that were involved turned their back on God, and the prophets did not prophesy on God's behalf. They were prophesying on the behalf of a false god, Baal. And at this point in time is when we want to say, well, I I can't resonate with that. But how often have we as the children of God, those who have accepted Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, chosen to be redeemed and yet live as though we are not? And the children of Israel, here's the first problem that they faced to get to this point, is they were a frivolous people. The Bible says in verse 11, Hath a nation changed their gods which are yet no gods, but my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. That sounds an awful lot like us, doesn't it? The Bible says that they changed their glory for that which not, that doth not profit. They made a choice. We like to say all the time that we fell into sin. As if there's a path that you can be walking down and then you can just trip and fall into it. Every single time that we sin, it is a choice. Because God has equipped us with everything that we need to be able to live godly in Christ Jesus. And that is knowing His Word, falling in love with His Word, and obeying His Word, and allowing the Holy Spirit of God to direct our lives. And if we do those two things and we stay filled with the Spirit, the Bible says to be filled with the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. I'm not talking about sin done in ignorance or sin that you maybe didn't know it was wrong. I'm talking about intentional sin is not something that we fall into. It's something that we choose to do. And the children of Israel chose to change their glory to that which doth not profit. What does it mean when you glory in something? I believe it simply means that that is what is important to you. That is your prize. That is what you glory in. In the book of Psalms, chapter 62, verse 7, King David at one point said, In God is my salvation and my glory. King David was saying, what is important to me, the most important to me in this, most important thing to me in this world is God. Now clearly that was not always David's primary focus because we know the sin that David got caught up later on with fornication and with not being a man after God's own heart as he is described in Scripture because he is a human being who falls and it happens to all of us. But David, at one point, his glory was in God. And when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, maybe the salvation that you had just received, maybe that's what you gloried in. For a time. 
And then as life came along and there was opportunities and distractions and the plentiful things that life has to offer, and we become distracted. And before you know it, we make the choice to change our glory to what the Bible says, doth not profit. There is not a dollar that we can take with us into eternity. There is not a fancy car that we can take with us into eternity. There is not a pleasurable experience that we can take with us into eternity. There is not something outside of the riches that we can store in heaven, which I believe are the things that are truly done with the proper intentions for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and in service to Him. Those are the things that are going to last for eternity. Everything else done in the flesh is going to burn up like wood, hay, and stubble, and that is what we live for. I had the opportunity to be in Australia <clears throat> at the beginning of the summer. I was spending time with a pastor over there, and I asked him about the spiritual climate of Australia, and he said, you know what our problem is? It's affluence. Australia is a blessed nation, just like the United States of America and just like Canada. And what he meant by that is it's not a third world nation. You don't, there's not a lot of people there that are living in poverty. Of course, they have uh, issues with people living in homelessness and job issues, but it is nowhere close to being a third world country like some of the flags that you see hanging around this room. And because they have so much, they think that they don't need God. And I love this nation. This is where my mom was born. I'm half American. I actually have more U.S. ID than I have Canadian. I don't even have a Canadian driver's license anymore. I have a California driver's license, which is just as bad, I understand, but that's what I have. <laughs> I love this nation, but it is no secret that this is a very affluent nation, and at one point, America gave the glory to God for that, but now they are attempting to take that glory for themselves and say, we don't need God. And the exact same issue has happened in my home country of Canada that I love. The same thing has happened in Australia, but we have changed our glory for that which doth not profit. They were a frivolous people. They focused on what did not matter, and their glory was in the wrong place. I'm going to read in verse 13. God says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Not only were they a frivolous people, they were a forsaking people. You know, it doesn't always start that everything in your life and your relationship with God is okay, and then one day you wake up and say, you know what I'm going to choose to do? Forsake God today. Because that's not how we view it. How does it start? With changing our glory, with diverting our priority, which should be our relationship with our Heavenly Father, and changing it into something that does not matter. And then what do we have to start doing instead? Unintentionally forsaking our God. And the Bible says that the children of Israel forsaken me, the fountain of living water. The very essence of everything that they would ever need on a spiritual basis, the thing that would complete the emptiness within their soul, a relationship with their Creator, is what they choose to forsake. And you know, every time you forsake the thing that belongs to your soul, or the thing that can complete your soul, which is a, having a consistent, loving relationship with your Heavenly Father and with your Creator, you have to come up with something to replace that. 
Because our world knows there's an emptiness within them. And so what do they do? They run to the distractions of sin. They run to these terrible things. They run to things that can occupy them. For some, it's money. For some, it's drugs. For some, it's alcohol. For some, it's fornication. For some, it's many other things. And then what happens when they cannot fill the void within their own hearts? So often things like depression take place and there's other difficulties that take place in our life because we were designed and created for God's glory. And the ultimate way to glorify God with your life is to give it to him and allow him to change you from the inside out and accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and spend the rest of your days trying to bring people to Christ and trying to become like Christ, which can only be accomplished through God's word and through his spirit. And the children of Israel, once they forsook the fountain of living waters, they had to make a change in how they would um, try and fulfill their own lives. And so the Bible says that they hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So on this side, you have the fountain of living water, which is God. And on this side, they had hewed out of the ground. Cisterns were essentially just big holes in the ground that they would use to catch all the rainwater. And they would use that rainwater, I guess, for cooking or for cleaning or whatever they need that water for or for drinking and the bible says that they forsook the fountain of living water and hewed out cisterns in the ground but not just any cisterns they were broken cisterns meaning that when they were trying to be filled with something that they had made up on their own those broken cisterns we know what would happen all the water would just flow away and all you're left with is an empty pit of mud And that is the picture Scripture paints for us when we choose to forsake the fountain of living water and try to replace that with a broken cistern. It doesn't matter how much you try and fill up that cistern. If it's not the fountain of living water, it's going to run dry. It's going to be muddy. It's going to have nothing that can actually take care of you and satisfy you like God can. And the children of Israel were a forsaking But it didn't always start like that. It started with just being frivolous. They didn't wake up one day and say, well, God brought us here to the promised land. I guess it's time to forsake him. It was small, individual, everyday choices of choosing to glory in that which doth not profit and then proceeding to go on to forsake God. And at this point, it gets a little warm in the room, and not just because you spent four hours on the lawnmower, Pastor, but because we begin to feel as though, well, hey, 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 I'm here tonight. I'm the Wednesday night crowd. That means I'm faithful. I've been forsaking God in a Bible college pew more than once. doesn't matter what location you are in because God looks on the heart. We can do all these works and these acts of service. The Bible says in verse 8 that it was pastors that transgressed against Him. It meant those that were doing the work of the Lord within their own hearts, the relationships with God were not right. So it does not matter to me where you're sitting tonight. What matters to God is the relationship in your heart with your Creator and how it's doing. And we're tempted to say something like they said in verse 23 of Jeremiah chapter 2. God said, How canst thou say I am not polluted? I have not gone after Balaam. The children of Israel said, Whoa, 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 whoa. God, we, we, we didn't forsake you. I am not polluted implying that they are still pure, implying that they are still acting as a holy people. But God said, 
How can you say that? Because they were focusing on the outward actions instead of dealing with the sin problem within their hearts as if God couldn't see it. And too often we focus on what everybody else can see and neglect the fact that we need to be changed from the inside out in order to actually please God. How can thou say, I am not polluted, I have not gone after Balaam? See thy way in the valley, know what thou hast done. Thou art a swift dromedary traversing her ways. He said, I am not polluted, I have not gone after Balaam. Did you know you can fool just about everybody except for God? Because those days when my heart was as far from God as anybody could have ever imagined, when I was sitting in a Bible college chapel or in Theology 2 class, all my friends and the faculty members and Pastor Chapel or whoever would take a look at me would probably say, this kid's doing just fine. But God knew just how far away I truly was. They weren't just a frivolous people. They weren't just a forsaking people. They were also a forgetful people. In verse 32 of Jeremiah chapter 2, God's word says, Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. It's escalating, isn't it? First, they were changing their glory to that which did not profit. They were being a frivolous people, and they made small changes to change their glory to what doesn't even matter. And then before you know it, they were making the intentional decision to forsake the fountain of living waters and choose to try and be satisfied with a broken cistern in the ground that could hold no water. And then before you know it, God says, My people have forgotten me days without number. They'd forgotten about God entirely. They weren't even making the choice to forget God anymore. They just didn't even think about Him ever. They'd forgotten about Him days without number. And what a shame when we as the children of God choose to forget about Him every single day. When we choose not to go to Him in prayer, when we choose not to open His Word, when we make the choice to say, you know what, I'm going to live my life, but I don't need God to do it. And even though it appears as though everything's fine, and God has allowed things to stay okay, we can't forget about Him. I remember I was interning in Indianapolis in the summer of 2021, and there was a man in the church who took us up in a little plane that was actually flown during World War II. And it was pretty cool. He would take one of us for a ride at the time, um, at a time, and the pilot would be in the back seat, and I'd be in the front, and he would just say, hey, don't touch any of these controls, because he had access to the same controls, and... As we were flying around, it was pretty cool, you know, it was, one of, it was so, super loud and, you know, there was no glass covering us and everything. Really old plane, it was awesome. But I began to think, you know, I'm flying and I couldn't even turn around with the way I was strapped in to see the pilot. I began to think to myself, you know, what would happen if I grabbed one of these gears and I just did something with it? We'd probably die. What would happen if I tried to take control? What would happen if I just forgot about the pilot? And I wondered, you know, if maybe if I, if I had the capacity, if we just flew in that plane for a for hundred years and never touched down, and I just was always enjoying myself and looking at the beautiful scenery, and then I would have the tendency to forget that there is someone behind me that is holding everything together. And without the pilot, I would absolutely be destroyed. 
without the pilot who knows exactly what to do, where to go, where to take me, how to get us there safely, everything would be destroyed. And oftentimes we think that just because everything is going okay, that it must mean that God's hand of blessing is upon our lives. And then sometimes God has to bring us to our knees to a point where we have to look around and go, okay, God, I'm listening. Because whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and he loves his children. But I pray that it doesn't get to the point where God has to bring us to our knees, where God has to have a Damascus Road moment like he did with the Apostle Paul. He said, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks, which meant God had already tried to call Paul. God had already prodded him and said, I want you to serve me. And Paul had ignored it until God had to bring him to his knees and blind him on the road to Damascus. And I'm not saying that is what's going to happen to you, but what I'm saying is let's not put ourselves in a situation where we have forgotten God days without number and He has to get our attention because He knows that if He doesn't, we will not have fulfillment in this life. It is impossible to have true joy and true fulfillment in this life outside of God. We can have distractions. We can have pleasure. The Bible says there is pleasure in sin for a season. But when that season is done, it leaves you hanging high and dry. I know there's a part of you that's thinking, did you come into our church tonight to make us all sad? I did not come into your church tonight to make you sad. I came here tonight, one, because we're representing West Coast Baptist College and we're thankful to be here. I also came and it's a wonderful opportunity to share God's Word, but I want to tell you that for every story of a sin-filled life, or a life that has accepted Christ as our personal Savior, or for the children of Israel that have wandered away, who have at one point been a frivolous people, and a forsaking people, and a forgetful people, there's an even greater story of forgiveness waiting. Turn over to chapter 3 really quickly. Chapter 3, and then we're done. Jeremiah chapter 3, after God had begun he began to tell them the remedy of the situation. In Jeremiah 3, verse 12, God's Word says, Go and proclaim these words towards the north and say, Return thou backsliding Israel, saith the Lord, and I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you, for I am merciful, saith the Lord, and I will not keep mine anger forever. You know, there's a lot of people out there that would like to try and convince you that the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament are different gods, but right here is proof. God said, just return Come back, backsliding Israel, and I will not cause my anger to fall upon you. I think of the city of Nineveh, who God was going to have to destroy because of their sin. And the prophet Jonah went and shared that message, and God sent revival to the city of Nineveh because they were willing to repent of their sin. Here's what God asked of Israel. Not to work the next 500 years to try and prove that they loved Him. They had already been working without having the proper heart condition resolved. And it was not impressing God. Here's what He asked of them in verse 13. Only acknowledge thine iniquity, that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God, and hast scattered thy ways to the strangers under every green tree, and ye have not obeyed my voice, saith the Lord." Only acknowledge thine iniquity. You know what God was asking them to do? If we confess our sin, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because God knows that if we spend our days trying to work off the sin debt that we have collected, the only way to do that is hell. And so Jesus Christ came to this earth as a perfect man and died upon the cross. And with His perfect shed blood, He paid the price for your sin. And when you wander, when you drift, the Bible says that we have an advocate that is Jesus. God knew He was saving sinners when Jesus Christ died upon the cross. And so for every story of a frivolous Christian or a forsaken Christian or forgetful Christian, there is the opportunity to have a forgiven Christian. But the responsibility is on us to confess our sin. And if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 14, it says, Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and will bring you to Zion, and I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding, and it shall come to pass when you be multiplied and increased in the land. In those days, saith the Lord, they shall say no more. The ark of the covenant of the Lord, neither shall it come to mind, neither shall they remember it, neither shall they visit it, neither that be done any more. God was saying to them, you have the opportunity to be forgiven. I just need you to acknowledge your sin. Confess your sin and forsake it. And God said, I'm not just going to leave you high and dry. I'm going to send you pastors after mine heart. They had pastors that were teaching them that were not after God's heart. And he said, I'm going to send you pastors after mine heart who are going to share my word with you that are going to teach you how to follow me and how to love me and how to honor me. God will do the exact same thing for us. And so I want to encourage you tonight. If you can resonate with the children of Israel like I can, almost every single day, and you've said, you know what? I have been a frivolous person. I have chosen to change my glory. I don't glory in my salvation like I used to. I don't have the joy of the Lord. I don't glory in the fact that I'm a child of God. Or you said, I've forsaken God, and there are many times where I try and fill my life and become fulfilled with a broken cistern, and I keep pouring and pouring and pouring, but nothing stays and nothing can satisfy me. I encourage you to just go back to the fountain of living water where you can have true hope and true joy. And you say, well, honestly, I have become a forgetful person. I have become a forgetful Christian. Or maybe you know someone who's out there and they don't know that there's forgiveness waiting for them on this side. All you have to do is confess your sin. He is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God does not know how to turn away sinners who repent. It's not within His nature. It's not within His character. It's not who He is because He loves you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I love you and I thank you for an opportunity to share your word.